And we came back for round four, five, five, <laughs> four. What is this? Four, five. I don't know. Whatever episode we're on now. Uh, it's Pop Culture Hootenanny. Pop I'm Culture Hootenanny. I'm Justin. So uh, this week we got, uh, we both watched Spider-Man Far mm. From Home. That, that is correct. We got that to talk about. Uh, not, I have not finished Stranger Things. I have watched Boo. three episodes. I know. I'm behind. You know what's really sad about it? Deb uh, has already seen the entire season. <laughs> she told me. You know you feel really behind when Deb's when, when seen Deb's it. When Deb's there, yeah. She's about four years behind on everything. Yeah. <laughs> so. Ah, well. Uh, Spider-Man, my opinion. Yeah. Spoilers may be given. So three, two, one, spoilers ahead. Um, yeah. Good, not great. I feel like I nailed the Mysterio turn. So. Yeah, I'd say you did. I mean... You know, that as someone who's not as familiar with Spider-Man comics, I mean, I, I watched the cartoons when I was a kid, and I knew who Mysterio was, and, you know, uh, it was it was interesting how they played it because it was upsetting. <laughs> I mean, I, I was actually upset. One of our, one of our coworkers said, he, he said, wait, what? Awesome. Aww. <laughs> That was that's how he felt, um, and and before that he told me that before he saw the movie or before I saw the movie, and my uh, opinion mirrors that. Yeah, like I mean, it was I liked I liked Mysterio, and I liked him as a good guy. I wanted him to actually be a good guy, right? But like I just I don't know. I guess if you know the Mysterio origins. You're like, you could see how they set it up. You're like, I could totally see this all being fake. Right. So. It, w- it was one of those things, too, where, you know, I I, <laughs> I suspected, you know, that there might be some trickery. But as the movie went on, I mean, we went well into act two of the of the whole movie with one impression. You yeah. know, and we had other people who are, you know, in the spy game who should be able to see through ruses <laughs> pretty well. But he was able to convince, you know, Fury and Yeah, every everyone was uh, fooled. Everyone was fooled. And I think what really sealed it as far as convincing me that he was in the movie was when he talked about Earth six one six. Yeah, that was that was a direct that, indication. That was like to an excitement where you're like, "Oh, right, right." And it was like, because if anyone knows about Marvel Comics, the different continuities that go between different writers, like the six one six is like the primary universe, right? That's the the primary thing, you know. Yeah. So when he said he came from that, you know, or that you know, that's what uh, the movie's setting was in, you know, I was like, "Oh shit." That means that there's other versions of Marvel characters who are already aware of these dimensional time things. And he's, you know, so it was kind of like a way to trick the audience into think, suspecting one way. It was almost like a, a meta, not a meta, um, um, uh, like a, almost like a fourth wall break not intended to be a fourth wall break. Because comic yeah. book enthusiasts would be jumping for joy at the very idea that they started breaking down the multiverse by their actual numerical things, you know? Yeah. And then <laughs> when he goes, I just made it all up and they bought it. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> right? It was like, I just I just threw this number out my ass. And they, they, everyone was like, oh, right. wow. <laughs> I was so upset. <clears throat> I was like, no. But maybe uh, the reference will mean something right. eventually. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe it'll just you know run its courses to some fashion. But um, uh, I enjoyed the villainy sequence. You know, I, I enjoyed the main, the first major confrontation. 
between Spider-Man and Mysterio. Um, it was what I imagined as the, uh, you know, like an illusion type, yeah, you know, sensory deprivation, and you're you're in my world, almost like. It kind of reminded me of uh, Batman Begins when he gets sprayed with the, the scare crows yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. You the know toxin. how is yeah yeah. That's kind of what it reminded me of. Yeah, things got twisted. Where it's like weird. Do I? What's real? What isn't real? Right. But yeah, I mean, it was. I I liked the movie. It was a good movie. It wasn't great. I think Spider Man Into the Spider Verse was better. I uh, I, uh, I think that might be the best Spider Man movie. I ha- I have to agree with you on that. It's uh, it, it like it was that was, I think just how they did it. I mean, that was like a comic book come to life, right? And I think it's uh, I don't know. I just like I watched it and immediately was like, I'm buying this movie. I don't right. care because I had to. I was like, I have to own this. I love it. And I don't know why. And not even big on Spider-Man like that, but I just I was like I love this movie. I well, I my hope would be, you know, after seeing both of those movies and in my opinion, Far From Home was a great live action Spider-Man. I mean, I I liked Homecoming as well. Um I think both the villains were set up to be more human than villainous. Um yeah. and, and, and that's fine. Um, you know, whatever Mysterio's motives are, and, you know, you can uh, discern that for yourself, but uh, whatever their motives were, they were human motives. And I think there's a lot of times where, like, you know, we look at failed experiments like Justice League and all that kind of stuff where it's the 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 primary villain who is not the primary villain has this central motivation which is never really described. It's super vague. It's just world domination or whatnot, you know. I, I like how Marvel and Sony does these, you know, like you got to give them Mysterio so that people will believe in the superheroes. You know what I mean? So the people will listen. Yeah. It's it's a, it's an interesting concept, especially with, you know, in that universe, everybody knows that heroes exist, but then how do you tell who's on the right side, who's running rogue, who's doing whatever, you know? Absolutely. But, but uh, the whole incorporation, and I, and I have to say this, um, you know, uh, like I told you before, I, I had a buddy who said, y- you know, 90%, <laughs> not 90, but I'd say about a good 35% of all the Marvel movie scenarios are based on Tony Stark's Misgivings of his <laughs> technology. He was, he was his own worst enemy. <laughs> right, like everybody hails Tony Stark, and granted, as we should, he was you know Robert Downey did a good job playing him. I mean, his character role was central, and it was basically solid. But every single time he made a mistake, whether giving Peter a pair of glasses and giving him control of a giant satellite capable of doing massive damage on a global scale, or <laughs> you know. Uh, creating Ultron, it always seems to be his machinations, his designs. I mean, that even from even from Iron Man, get turned around. On he him. created the suit out of you know basically just to survive, to escape and survive. Right. And Obadiah had to have that suit because it was the ultimate weapon. Right. So I mean, he, you know, uh, he basically created the villain in that. Right. Because of his technology, he created Whiplash. Right. Because his father stole the technology. <laughs> this the Stark family is a bunch of assholes. Hank Pym was completely correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, obviously, uh, Ultron, you know, being yeah. a creation and granted being. And it's not even the fact that it wasn't even a creation. It was his misgivings with an AI that was beyond his scope of understanding. He just kind of willed it into existence yeah, using true. the Mind Stone. So, you know, you got a lot of things going on where Tony Stark is primarily responsible for most of the detrimental things, which would also explain his guilt in the Civil War and why he signed the Sokovia Accords and all that. But still, it just seems like even after his death, his his machines and his designs are out to fuck up with the planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But um, even in death, he's the hero. But back to the Spider Verse, I think if Sony were wise, 
the Miles Morales Spider-Man should stay in that cartoony, in that in that comic booky style for at least a little bit. We could incorporate them later if they really wanted to. If if Marvel and Disney really wanted to incorporate them, they have to keep them in the ca- in the in the cartoons. You, you don't think they could do a live action Miles Morales? They're not allowed. Why is that? Because when they got the rights to Spider-Man, yeah. It was in the agreement for the rights. He had to be white. Fucking Disney. (laughs) (laughs) That was before Disney owned him. But you're talking about Sony bought the rights to Spider-Man from Marvel when it was going bankrupt. Yeah, when they when they got the rights, right, to make the movie. In in the rights to make the movie, Spider-Man has to be white. Now, obviously. If s- didn't Sony make into the Spider Verse? They did, right? They did because they still own Spider Man as a property and anything they related because the original Spider Man is in Spider Verse. Yeah. So with that being said, don't they have? Con- I mean, if they already made a movie where Spider Man is not white, then that that's a either a breach of contract or a or a loophole in which they got through. Yeah, I don't know if it's because it's a cartoon, but that's why they've never done the Miles Morales live action. No, I mean, they could have, when they re... Because I'm assuming they had to renegotiate when they put Spider-Man in the into the MCU. So maybe they've worked something where they can add Miles Morales. I don't know. Yeah. All I know is, is if they make another one, which I believe they should, and I hope Sony believes they should. Uh, I can't imagine they wouldn't. I, I, I think they could go really far. And, and if... If Into the Spider-Verse is part of Marvel canon as far as the cinematic universe, and, and because I know it's a cartoon, it's not the live cinematic universe, but does that really make a difference? If it is canon, then it already explains how the multiverses can be reached. Now, granted, I don't know of a better way to incorporate a multiverse if Disney were to want to go into that direction with the rights of Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, now, granted, uh, I don't know if Sony will allow them to do such, but yeah, if I don't know what their plans are in you the know, future. Make some kind of pact with Disney about that, they could probably get away with it. I really think a Miles Morales Spider-Man is dope as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, the cartoon, it was, I don't know, it, it was like a perfect cartoon for what it was. It was amazing. I yeah. mean, the animation style, it was. It really was like reading a comic book. Right. But watching it come right. to life. I completely agree. So, and I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. Oh well, yeah, I mean that's uh, it, it. It was pages ripping. O- it was the pages coming off of the page. I mean, know? like the scene in the cafeteria when he throws the bagel and it just says bagel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, come on, right. that that's straight comic book, right? Like there, you can't. That's just comic book, just across the screen, bagel. Oh. And I liked when he when he when, he w- when Miles was talking to himself when they were breaching the facility, you know. What I mean that whole that whole inner monologue. What am I doing? Why is this this? You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know why, but that always struck me as a as a uh, interesting way to. I should say, you know, it's because he's just thinking it to himself and maybe he's saying it out loud. But I just love that kind of style. I don't know. Yeah, it's like c- almost almost a Deadpool like breaking the fourth wall, but not quite. Like he's right. not talking to you, but he's talking at you. Right. That's how it feels, anyways. Right. Yeah. And um, I believe the guy, the guy who plays the original Spider-Man, uh, the Peter Parker Spider-Man, is the actor from New Girl. And have you ever seen Tag? The movie Tag. No. Yeah, it's about the friends who play uh, tag yeah, throughout I their whole lives. I just never watched it. Oh, it's I want to. I it's heard it's, it's it, hilarious. It's quite funny. But the guy who plays um is it Chimney? I can't remember. He's he's the pot smoking guy. He's the pot smoking friend. But his voice was the voice of Peter Parker. So it was I don't know. You I don't remember his name and it's upsetting to me right now. Yeah, you know. But it is what it is. But um, what is that? But yeah, Spider Man. 
like I said, good, not great. I mean, it's, you know, I think Homecoming was better than Far From Home, but the sequels usually do tend to lack a little. Right. So, I mean, I'd see it again. Right. I'd say I'd give it a... If we had a numerical point, numerical grade scale out of 10, I'd say like an 8.3. I'd say a 7, solid 7. I'd give it a little bit more than that. But I understand. Um, I can't, I don't know. Tom Holland to me is a good Spider-Man. It's a, it's a hard thing uh, not to. Yeah, of the Spider-Men that we've had, he's the best one. I agree. And he actually tries to do a New York accent. Where right, right. You know, like the other ones didn't. Right, like Andrew Garfield. I don't even know if he's a, if he's American or English or whatnot. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's English too. Right, <laughs> they're all fucking English except Toby. To good old Toby. But I mean, like, yeah. The but New he York was like 45 doing <laughs> an 18-year-old <laughs> Spider-Man. Right. He didn't have a. He had already done what was that? Uh, good night, my. Princes of New England, like what I can't remember. There's a uh, cider house rules. Is that it? Yeah, I think you know he'd already he'd already done some stuff like that and whatnot. But uh, yeah, Tom Holland definitely the best Spider-Man. Put the most effort into it. I think it's because you know he's now a I don't know, I don't want to call him a brand name, but that's kind of what he is. And he's so young. You know, once you get set in your ways, it's hard to. Uh, yeah, develop yeah. accents and use terminology, but he's so young, he can mal- be malleable with his English. So, and it's funny. I was listening to uh, some interview that he did with, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel or whatever. He was talking about how in Spider-Man: Homecoming, he lit. You know, he grew up in England, so he was a thousand, two thousand miles away, and then in Far From Home, he was twenty-six miles away from his parents' house. <laughs> The whole, the whole film, you know, it was just one of those things. You Why not? Thought it was funny, but anyways, uh, yeah. What else do we have? Uh, well, I know uh, I was told you do a an amazing breakdown of the Nate Dogg and Warren G. Regulate video. Regulators, regulators. Yes, mount up. Yes, um, uh, th- it struck me the other day while listening to some music, while listening to uh, Outcast Radio on Pandora. Uh, regulators came on. And, you know, it came out when I was in about sixth grade. Uh, probably for both of us around that time. Yeah, probably 94, 95-ish. Yeah, something like that. At least I thought it was sixth grade. But I was in middle school for sure. And I remember everyone, everybody thinking that was the greatest song in the world. And I mean, granted, you know, it was for a very long period of time for a lot of people. For that summer, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like <laughs> what was the summer before that? Was crisscross, make you jump, you know, that kind of stuff. Make it, make it, make it, back. But um, anyways, yeah, I, I have this, I have this complaint about regulators. Um. Nate Dogg and Warren G have this song, you know, everybody knows it, and everybody, most people know the lyrics the way people know Ice Ice Baby by, by Vanilla Ice, but I submit to the internet, in my opinion, my humble opinion, that Warren G is no regulator. In fact, if you break down the story of the song, there is no part where Warren G does anything but act like a little bitch. <laughs> Strong words. Well, I mean, you know, uh, did I uh, did I say Nate Dogg or did I say Warren G? Because I should have said Warren G if I said Nate Dogg. Nate Dogg was Nate Dogg was the hero. All right. So translation to modern regular conversation. Warren G. is out cruising around, having a, a grand old time, looking to hook up with his friend, Nate Dog. And while driving down the road, he spots a game, a craps game, being played in an alley with a, a bunch of people of the neighborhood. And, you know, 
There's no explanation as to whether he knows any of these people. There's no explanation of anything whatsoever. Now, granted, if you're a hardcore gangster, one might consider the idea that if you're walking into an unknown territory or at least an unknown group of people, you might want to familiarize yourself with said people first. Well, he immediately starts playing craps with these gentlemen. And as the song goes, he ended up getting jacked and breaking himself. They turned on him, and they started robbing him. Now, at the same time, Nate Dogg is driving around, also looking for a good time. He passes by a group of women. <laughs> and, and as he's distracted by the women, right, he happens to see that his friend Warren G is now in an alley getting held up by other homies. <laughs> and my, again, I, I, I stress the point that in the entire song, Warren G is just a victim. Now, the argument is that a regulator is a hardcore gangster who gets shit done. Now, Warren G is getting jacked. He's breaking himself. He can't believe they're taking Warren's wealth. They took his ring. They took his Rolex. He looked at his brother and said, damn, what's next? Well, Nate Dogg swoops in. He's got 16 in the clip and one in the hole, and he's about to make some bodies turn cold, right? So he's obviously going to save Warren G from said situation. Now, he's the only one that can do it. Like a superhero, like Spider-Man swinging out of nowhere to stop these hooligans from hurting and assaulting his friend Warren G. Well, the only one who does any regulating in that entire music video and song is Nate Dogg. Warren G is just a hapless victim who, if Nate Dogg had not shown up at that particular time, deus ex machina, would not, in any situation, either be alive or have his possessions left on him by the end of the evening. But the song continues on after Nate Dogg liquidates all of these motherfuckers. <laughs> all right, I'm with you. <laughs> that Warren G and Nate Dogg then get into their car as though the night was just a normal, an average day and uh, proceeds to go find women and smoke weed. Now, granted, they found some girls, and Nate Dogg had a car for old girls, and it was going real swell. The next stop is the East Side Motel. But do you think, in any scenario of that, if you had just been accosted by other people and had your buddy come and save you, not only are you a hero, but are you deserving of marijuana and hoes? Because I don't think I would be. <laughs> I don't think any gangster in his right mind would be worthy of said trophies of the evening without the concept of being a regulator <laughs> himself. So I submit to the internet once again, Nate Dogg was the only regulator in that song. Warren G was just a bitch. Well put. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my rendition on Warren G and Nate Dogg's regulators. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, you I'm going to have to agree. It, it's just one of those things where it's, you know, it goes against the whole uh, hardcore mentality of the day, you know. It, 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 it'd be like, I was saved by my friend, but now I'm going to go do things with him because, I don't know, some false sense of self-worth. <laughs> I regulated nobody, but I call myself a gangster. Maybe he's going to be his wingman because <laughs> oh, he I owes him his uh, life. That's the only thing it could be. I mean, Nate Dogg was clearly the uh, the alpha dog in that scenario. He probably doesn't need a wingman, though. No, Nate Dogg? No, he never needed one. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, I did have something for you. Okay. I, I, I was thinking about this when you were talking about we were talking about last time, and you said you couldn't listen to, like, songs your your mom wouldn't let you listen to and stuff. Right. Right. All right. Does the name Dr. Brian Holland PhD mean anything to you? Dr. Brian Holland PhD. Um are you going to be disappointed at me if I say no? No. No uh, then no I don't. <laughs> no. I didn't I didn't really think you would. 
He's a he's got a doctorate in manek Yeah. Yeah. Now I can't think of what it was. Uh oh. Um molecular biology. Molecular? Yeah. yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Brain's not working right. What if I told you he was better known as Dexter Holland? Nothing? No, that doesn't help me. Okay. What if I told you he was the primary singer and songwriter for The Offspring? I would... What? (laughs) Your mother wouldn't let you listen to a doctor with a PhD. In biology. In biology. Fact. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're talking about the primary singer, the main yes, guy. Dexter Holland from The Offspring has a Ph.D. in monec- mo- molecular <laughs> biology. <laughs> Words I can't say. Well, uh, that certainly is a um, uh, an interesting fact I had no idea about. And I will bring that up to the next at the next family gathering. I'll be like, hey, Mom. You know how you never let me listen to, to that song, No Self-Esteem? Well, that was sung by a fucking doctor. <laughs> Fact. I mean, at the time, he didn't have his doctorate. But, but he is a doc- He has a doctorate he now? He has a doctorate now. Is this at post-band? Is this post-offspring popularity? Or is did he do it while he was still... I mean, well, technically, he's still... Yeah, they're the still, together. still together, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, two years ago, he got his doctorate from USC. <laughs> You'll never accomplish anything with no self-esteem except a doctorate in molecular biology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or molecular. Oh, wow. That was loud. If That's you're funny. Me. I had no idea. Absolutely. I was thinking about that because I, I remember. I want to say maybe it was on the Nerdist. He he did an episode of that, and he was he was talking on there about getting his doctorate. And. Actually, the song Keep Them Separated was about uh, bacteria. What? Yeah. He said, like, the like the gang stuff in it came from, like, the news. But it w- was talking about, like, they were doing, like, uh, it was, like, experiments with, uh, I forget what it was. But it was, like, particles they had to keep separated. <laughs> And that's what that's <laughs> where the song came from. We got to protons and electrons. Are we talking about particles, or are we talking about? I like don't know. Bacteria? I don't remember what it was, but keep that petri dish away from that petri dish. <laughs> it you was might create the bubonic plague. Yeah, just random stuff. That's crazy. I didn't know that. I will have to do some research into that. That was yeah. like one of those things where, like, surprising little tidbits of information that you might not know. Like, I don't know how true this is, and I have the internet right in front of me, but I never really confirmed it. I always, like, lived off of the, not lived, but always uh, dealt with the possible belief that this is true. I don't know how accurate this information is, but I was told that, you know, it's like Zach De La Roca from Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. You know, and all of that, you know, anti-authoritarian, no government, no whatever business, capital, you know, anti-capitalism. His father is like a world-class brain surgeon, and he grew up with a lot of money. I don't know how accurate and true that is. Mm. I suppose I should look it up before I make it a statement, public statement. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, nah, just let it, it, linger, it in your linger in your psyche the wrong way. I mean, it's it's totally possible. I I have to look this up now for the for for the sake for the sanctity of truthfulness on on. The internet. Yeah. All right. So, yes, uh, yep, you're restricted from listening to a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I was, I don't know why, I was like, I'm pretty sure he's a doctor. And then I was like, yeah, I know he is. I know. And then I looked it up. I was like, yeah, he definitely got his doctorate. I was like, I'm going to have to bring this up next time ah. we talk. I, uh, I I stand corrected. But 
wealthy nonetheless? Uh, basically, his uh, mother was a had a PhD in anthropology, and I guess you know I, the brain surgery thing is, is incorrect. I can't believe I went this far with my life without just looking this up because it's been in my brain for years. But his father was a muralist, a famous muralist in the area. So, of course, that would make far more sense. Painting of Zapatista farmers. Let's see. Okay. All right, I'm done with that topic. I am a fool. I have... Uh, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, at least we know. Yeah, now we know. And knowing's half the battle. Well, anthropology is the study of culture, and I suppose that would probably give a lot of influence to a lot of his music. Yeah, maybe. <sighs> or anti-disestablishmentarianism. <laughs> I can say that, but I can't say molecular. No, it's crazy. It has like nine more syllables, but you still... <laughs> I still can't get it right. <laughs> molecular, molecular biology. Molecular. I don't know why I want to put the K in there. Molecular, molecular, molecular. Metaphysical molecular biology. What? Molecular. I want to put a K instead of an L. Anti-disestablishmentarianism. Establishment, establishment. You hey, always. Things we can do. Best. Um, shit. <laughs> yeah, no, we uh, fell short on topics this week for sure. Oh, we have an email now. We do. We do. It's, uh, if you want to reach us, it's popculturehoot at AOL.com. Fantastic. So that's, uh, that's a thing now. Yeah. <laughs> If you have any topics that you wish might wish for us to discuss, we'll more than we'll read them. Hear you out, and if they're we'll give honorable mentions. Yeah, we'll give honorable mentions for sure. Man, uh, what was the topic? So, have you ever seen Minority Report? Uh like a long time ago when back it came out. Back when it came out. Yeah. I rewatched it. I was on Amazon. This thought you weren't allowed to watch Tom Cruise movies. What's that? Said I thought you weren't allowed to watch Tom Cruise. Oh, I movies. only watch it when Tori's not around, which I guess uh. sounds pretty pretty horrible. But uh, <laughs> I can only watch Tom Cruise when Tori's not around. But Minority Report was always one of those movies. Uh, it's done by Philip K. Dick. I don't know if you're aware of who Philip K. Dick is, but you know. I'm going to say no. Okay. Uh, Blade Runner. Okay. Uh, uh, things like that. Uh, gotcha. Do, do, what is it? Do androids dream of electric sheep? Things like that. Um, science fiction writer. All right. Heavily, heavily uh, liked science fiction writer. But it was a short story written by him. And upon watching that movie, and if people aren't familiar with it, uh, it's about the concept of pre-crime, the, the idea of, preventing murders and heinous crimes from happening before they happen using psychics who are interlinked in a vat where they can sort of hone the harmonic resonance of psychic thought. And they can see the future. They can see a killer. They can see a victim. Anyways, the story goes, Tom Cruise is a main detective for, tr for pre-crime. And then, of course, his name and the the uh, video, as they put it into, they put it into video, all the murders into video, uh, comes up and it shows him killing somebody. Now that's beside the point. I was just pointing it. I was just going to point out the idea of where technology goes because I had to answer a question about Black Mirror today and why I don't watch it. And a lot of people know that what work with us and that know us have asked me why the fuck I don't watch Black Mirror. And I've stated it as I stated probably last week and the week before that. It's too close to reality and it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> There's a lot of things that are way too close to reality that my brain will just dwell on and I'll be like, is this really where we're going? Now, the reason I bring up Minority Report is because it's set in a close to now future, probably like, uh, what is it, 2054 or something like that. All right, not too distant. But it's But it's interesting to me because if you look at how 
you know how movies like let's say Back to the Future or any Steven Spielberg movie where any time the it doesn't matter if it's Steven Spielberg but any time the the future is portrayed it's a very skewed version of what reality is you know like yeah. you know when you, like it like Back to the Future 2 seems outdated by today's standards only because we're past 2015 we don't have flying cars we don't you know what I mean it seems more like science like science fantasy than possible close to truth science fiction. And the rule of thumb is whenever science fiction is considered, it's that reality is about 50 years behind even the smallest hint of science fiction. You know, unless we're talking about thousands of years in the in you know the future and we've got faster than light starships and things like that. But Minority Report takes place in 2054. And one of the things that I noticed is is they're still fucking shopping malls. <laughs> Now, if you were to take our future, for example, I just say, you know, with with how Amazon has hit the, the, the social norm. Yeah. And direct delivery to your home for buying products online has, has taken shape. I mean, yeah, if if you live within a. a di- you know, within distance of a Amazon warehouse, you can get stuff in the same day. Right. Yeah. I mean, in in. The the thing for me is is that I don't know what would be worse. Like there's a scene where Tom Cruise has to get his eyes replaced, and he ends up getting his the uh, his eyes by um, uh, the, the, a doctor who replaces his eyes so he can avoid detection because eye sensor uh, eye um, retinal scanning is everywhere, even in public places like for advertisements for whatever so he gets his eyes replaced with like a japanese businessman who either died or whatever but he walks into the gap looking for clothes to buy one of the psychic people that he breaks out of the the the, the psychic girl and he's looking for clothes at the gap and it's just weird because not that i ever walk into the gap anyways and i understand the gap is still around it's still going to be around for another 10 years malls aren't going anywhere just yet it's not a gap at our mall there isn't anymore no, it's been gone for years. They what? Left. Yeah, the gap left. I see. Okay, years. well, the speedy know, five years ago. Speeding up my point, I guess. But like you know, the gap is he walks into the gap and it it scans his retinas and it goes, "Hi, Mister Hiramoto, are you liking? Are do you are you liking those tank tops that you bought? <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever." And it's funny because Facebook does those same kind of things or, or advertisements or coupons are sent to us for the things that we buy, whether it be on Amazon, whether it be on, you know, whatever. But it's funny yeah. to me how we have this imagined version of society still being what we know it to be with futuristic technology when society is more uh, shaped by the technology and more molded by it than our imagination allows us to do, right? Yeah. Like, there are no cafe 80s, right? You know? Yeah. You know? Uh, And this is just a random thought that I had because I enjoyed that movie. I still do. It's, It's, but it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't know when we're ever going to be able to act like will there ever be a movie that we can accurately predict the social construct of of our society or the the construct of our society before it happens you know what i'm saying yeah i see where you're coming from yeah i'm gonna say no i don't think so either i I don't think it's possible because we're reactionary as a species we don't we don't yeah we don't know how things are going to be administered until it's already been in a full effect. Yeah. Like, I'm sure anybody listening to this who is of, of our age group could not have told you in 1995 that the common house phone will be obsolete, that the Internet will be so fast, and not even in our country, but in other countries, but, I mean, like, that the Internet would be so fast that you're downloading entire hard drives worth of data via your computer right. in 1994 in one second. You know what I'm and saying? Not even that. 
it's it. I mean, a computer's obsolete practically. You have a computer in your hand at all times with right. your phone. Right. I mean, you don't you don't even need a home computer. You have a phone or I a tablet. Honestly, Tori bought a computer for nursing school, and I have never used it. Not not for not for anything other than like putting in days for vacation. I have never used it. I've had no need for it. Um, I could not tell you the last time. I mean, all right, I can't because now I use the laptop when I upload our episodes. But other than that, I don't use the laptop. My wife uses it to pay bills. Right. And I use it to just do our show. Right. And then I have this computer that I just record on. Right. And, I mean, if we look at your computer, I don't know how old it is. I don't know what it is. But I'm just saying, like, this is its only function at this point. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, like, you know, even 10 years ago, you couldn't have told anybody in the industry in the, uh, well, maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you couldn't have told anybody in 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 the industry that this is what technology was going to be, that the common home computer was going to be replaced by something in your pocket. No way. Well, I mean, look at it Look at it from this, where, like, in 50 years, a computer's went from being the size of a storage room right. to the palm of your hand. Right. Within 50 years. Right. So... I mean to pre- and to try and predict like how people are gonna change in fifty years. You can't. I don't. Yeah, I don't think a movie is ever gonna get that r- get it right. I mean, you know, it's either as far as science fiction goes, it's either like a a modernly close rendition of things that we find possible, like um, what was it uh, in Avatar. You've seen Avatar? Yeah. Most people have seen Avatar. But, you know, they yeah, have, I like... Yeah, wasted three hours, yeah. What's that? I said, yeah, I wasted, like, three hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you look at the technology behind it, it was still based off of the idea that they're going to be holding some kind of tablet. They're going to be, like, the, all, the, all the humans were still doing work on tablets and on things, like... I mean, sure, they could hold up that piece of glass towards anything and be like, look at the neural activity. Look at this. Look at that. I mean, how long is it going to be before we reach that level of technology? I'm not sure. I I have no idea. Yeah, who knows? But it's funny how we still kind of put things in the light of what we know. Like watching The Fifth Element, for example. What are all the TVs in The Fifth Element? They're all box TVs the way we had it. You know what I mean? They're yeah. supposed to be the fucking future. <laughs> you know what I mean? Flying cars seems to be the norm in whatever science fiction you could want, and we can come up with a billion different designs for flying cars. But for a period of time, TVs look like regular TVs. I can't... I, I can't mean, for the longest time, I mean... Yeah. Because there, there was no way... This is before HD. This is before anything. You know... Yeah. Like, this is back when movies on TB, TBS and TNT were still presented in letterbox format, so you could see all of, you know, the, uh, the you know, the splendor of a widescreen movie on yeah. your TV. And it would cut off half the, vid- the, the image. Yeah. All right. Now, talking about widescreen, mm-hmm. widescreen or full screen? It depends on what it is. See, um, I always hated widescreen because... I hated the letterbox. I was like, that's just so give me the fucking full picture on oh my screen. So I hate crazy. having black I have lines. I friends that said that. It's like, I, I hate having the black lines. Oh, dude. Like, I just totally disagree. I don't, I don't care that I'm missing, like, oh. an inch of scenery. Just give me the fucking full picture. Totally I want to. I am I hate having that black line on my TV. Yeah, just oh, annoyed me. I totally me. disagree. I, I swear. I swear. And my justification for why I disagree is... The way I look at movies, and maybe it's with a little bit more uh, sentimentality behind it, is you know my relationship with my dad. uh, When people talk to me about movies or ask me about movies, it's because they know that I've seen a lot of them, right? Yeah. I mean that's how this even started. (laughs) Yeah, we we we, we talked about movies. We talked about dumb movies, yeah. (laughs) Right. 
So for me, you know, like not to get all Kubrickness on it, but like every every movie is like a painting. And to me, as it's presented, I want to see what the actual vision of the director is. Now, if you were to watch, say, Saving Private Ryan, the 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 the, the beach scene at the beginning of the movie, you know, okay, uh, Omaha Beach, right? You don't, you don't, uh, you don't. When I saw that in full screen back when it was before it was w- there was widescreen presentations, you know, shots were cut where things were smaller outside uh, outside distra- or uh, not outside but uh, not off camera not even that off center of camera was not off center of camera it was just out of the picture yeah you know and to me what makes the environment of a movie more sur- more real more more it what what draws my attention is sometimes the things going on around the character, especially on a re-review or on a re- like when I see a movie a second time, how people interact with things. Like the <laughs> um, this isn't a great example, but I've seen Austin. This okay, all right. I've seen Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, probably well over a two dozen times. Okay. Now, if you ever decide to watch this movie or, or check this out. There's a guy in the background of the dance scene at the at the end of the intro where you know Austin Powers is dancing when they do the whole big dance number in a group. All right. And granted, he's right behind Austin Powers. And granted, full screen and widescreen have nothing to do with this, but I just feel like I need to bring it up. Everybody else looks like they're having a good time, but the one guy with the black hair and he's wearing a pink striped suit and he's dancing almost right behind Austin Powers looks like he's serious as fuck. And I just want everybody to be drawn to that the next time they watch that movie. Anyways, back to it. <laughs> so you like to focus on extras? No, but no, no. And that's not extras. But it's like, okay, if there's a scene with a lot of things going on, let's say we'll take Endgame, for example. When that comes out on, on video, I'm buying the Blu-ray. I'm probably going to end up downloading the digital version on onto whatever I got. I might purchase that movie more than once. All right. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. But what I will tell you is I'm going to watch it a numerous amount of times. Yeah. And the things in the background after I've already seen the movie will be just as important to me upon viewing the second or third time around is to see who's doing what in the background that you don't wouldn't normally see. And I think with widescreen letterbox versus full or versus standard. There's a lot of things on those in that background that you miss or that gets compressed and you don't get to see it as clearly. Um, yeah, I, I mean I know there's that's stuff my that thing. It's that like you a portrait. Lose. It's like it's like you lose stuff, but you don't know you lost it if you don't know if you don't watch it. Well, yeah, but but when you it, um, the black lines take my eyes off the movie. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I mean, now it doesn't I matter mean, because TVs are widescreen and right. It's your full screen, screen is now. now, all the way across. It, it's it's top to bottom, left to right. It's full yeah. screen. That's that's our uh, widescreen is now our our new full screen. Yeah. I mean, you're never going to see a letterbox movie on a widescreen t- on a absolutely on a not modern TV because they don't need to because that's already letterbox. Because it's, it's it's already widescreen. It's technically not letterbox. It's a very moot point. Right. This whole discussion is. Not necessarily, though, because if you're talking about movie older movies, right? If uh, you want to watch them in the way they are, yeah, uh, most TVs have the ability to watch uh, older movies, but they stretch out the picture. Yeah, and I can't stand that shit either. Yeah, that's because like, then it just looks weird. Right. Um. Like, I I cannot tell you how many times I would come home and like a news channel would be on and it would be the standard definition news channel and Tori can't tell the difference. She can't see the difference between like how a news anchor has a fatter face and his ears are a little bit more elongated and his nose is broader than when I go to the HD and it shrinks the person back down to normal rate, their head down to normal ratios. She doesn't even notice, but it drives me up the fucking wall. I, I, my father-in-law too. That's just the way yeah, we were we were up at the lake house this last weekend for the holiday weekend, and we were watching 
Jeopardy, and it was in the standard definition channels. And he came in and he was like, why is this on the wrong channel? Where we pay for high definition. Right. Put it on the high definition. That's the, I swear that is exactly what I told Tori every single time. I go, why are we paying for this if you're not going to watch it? I just, you know. Oh, wow, this conversation went weird. It sure did. But I stand by I stand by widescreen. I stand by. Fair enough, fair enough. Widescreen. I watched Dogma in widescreen so I could see Ming Chen. So you could see what? Ming Chen. Ming Chen? From Comic Book Men. He's in Dogma. He's cut out. He's in uh, at the strip club. He's like, but in the standard definition, he's cut out. In the widescreen, he's in there. See? Point point proven. Yeah, but I only watched it because I heard that, so then I had to watch it. And I own the movie, and it's, you know, DVD that one side's widescreen, one side's full <laughs> screen. So technology, right? Technology, bro. Without that technology, you would have never known. If if Comic Book Ben hadn't said that, you wouldn't have never known. Absolutely. But yeah, that's kind of how I. That's where I stand. That's fair enough. I yeah. mean, uh, like I said, the black lines distract me. So, well, I mean, not anymore. No, not now. But they did. Yep. I see. I never had a problem. And again, I attribute a lot of my biases to to. Uh, on movies and viewing them to my father. Uh, yep. He, uh, like, he, he, granted, I was not mature enough to handle staying awake through the whole thing at the time, but, like, when I was, like, 11 years old, he made, he forced, like, uh, Showtime presented a special letterbox edition of 2001 to Space Odyssey. <laughs> and, you know, the movie's already pretty dark and, more mental than action it's there's no action really okay. but more mental than anything and you know for a kid that's a hard thing but i remember seeing like uh there was a panned out shot where the shuttle is flying through deep space and it's just this tiny dot going across and i remember i remember thinking to myself probably for the first time that i can recall like what would the vastness of space be like compared to what we do? Because usually we see things in proportion to certain things. Like, like uh, if I go on a cruise, right? Yeah. The cruise ships are massive, right? They are. They're multiple football fields long. Absolutely. They are gigantic structures, and they're only getting bigger, right? Yeah. But when you put it, it when you put put it next to a dock, and you put it next to a, uh, a parking lot full of cars, you can see its size and scope, right? Yeah. You put that thing in the ocean alone, you can't tell how big. You know, I mean, you, you, yeah, you know, and until you get until you have more perspective next to it. Yes, once you're out in open water and there's nothing but water around it, you, it makes yeah. you realize just how infinitesimally small to the rest of the world <laughs> you really are. And that's that's I think that's what Letterbox does does for me. Like when it does pan shot or when it does um, zoomed out shots like that, or when. They show massive structures and they do that kind of thing. That's that's kind of what it does. But enough about widescreen. I've 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 done it. Letterboxes all the way. IMAX, all the way. I'm too cheap to pay for IMAX. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, there's only been uh, I think a grand total of three movies that I've seen in IMAX. Uh, Beowulf, the animated Beowulf that came out. Ouch. I, I enjoyed that movie. I did. It wasn't all that great, but it was also in 3D at the IMAX. It, right. Like uh, Daniel was there, and he that was his first time ever doing 3D. And I mean, I think I went with Daniel and maybe a couple of other buddies, but it was uh, it was that Avatar and then the Dark Knight. I saw the Dark Knight up at the IMAX. And that that whole beginning scene where where the uh, the camera s zooms in on that window and they break out the glass right before the bank robbery. Yeah, you know, like I'd already seen the Dark Knight before that, and I saw it on the IMAX next to it, and there was more screen. Yeah. Now I don't know if it was Christopher Nolan's intention, or if it was like just the way, just the definition of the screen. I I, I don't know, but it. It encompassed me. It made me feel like I wasn't watching a screen, but I was 
in the booth, the pan, the the camera booth, zooming in on said structure. I don't know. It just made me feel that way. I think the only movie I've seen in IMAX is uh, the Winter Soldier. What's that? Winter Soldier? Yeah. I would have. I would have. I would have gone to see that again in IMAX. Winter Soldier was a masterpiece, in my opinion. Yeah, they're all good. I have no issues with any of the Captain America movies. Yeah, I can't argue. I mean, the first one's a little more boring just because it's an origin story from World War II, so you're like, meh. Well, that, and it's almost more zany than the rest of the Marvel Universe, even with all the different movies that have followed it. It, 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 It had a more... 1950s comic bookish tone to it. I really feel like it did. Yeah, and I don't I know if that, that was intentional. I could see that. I, I would imagine it was, but either way, I don't know if it was intentional or not. But yeah, that's why First Avenger was always kind of out of all the Marvel movies. I, I'd say that was the weakest attempt, next to Thor 2: The Dark World. I don't know. After Endgame, I think Thor 2 uh, gets some props. Well, no, no. I mean, de- definitely. I mean, when you when you when you add more background story to another story, it, it does at least increase the intrigue behind it. I'm not saying it was a bad movie. No, it, w- it wasn't bad. It was, but really, the first both Thor, Thor and Thor: The Dark World are kind of boring. They're, you know, they're not as fun as like other movies were. Right. So. I don't know. I mean, I like them all. I own all of them, so <laughs> it's you know, right? I, they've got my money. They got your money, so twice. <laughs> right? So, because I've seen pretty much all of them in the theater, and I buy them when they come out, so right. I get my money twice. <laughs> oh, uh, speaking of Marvel things, uh, did you hear that Paul Rudd? Signed on to be in the new Ghostbusters movie? Yes, I did. I can't wait, dude. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I'll watch Paul Rudd in anything. I know. We've dude, already discussed this. I know Paul Rudd. He just he's got that. He's got that charm. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. He's Paul Rudd. I hope he's like Egon's son or something. He. I would imagine he'd have to be. It's got to be something like that, right? I don't know, but but if it's not Paul Rudd being Paul Rudd, and he's some kind of like anal retentive scientist guy, then will it really be Paul Rudd? It, Paul Rudd's like Bill Murray. He basically plays himself and just fits the role around him, his own personality. Kind of get that. Yeah. But either uh, way, Paul Rudd, Ghostbusters. Yes. Yay. I'm going to watch it. I'm happy. I'm happy for Paul yes. Rudd. Like I'm I said, Paul Rudd and everything. Yep. Uh, <sighs> trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, uh, we'll have some more trailers to review in a couple weeks when we do this again because yep. Comic-Con's next week. So new toys will be coming out. That's uh, good for me, not so much my checkbook, but <laughs> <laughs> my wife will disagree with me, but I'm sure I'll be buying some stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, that and it'll give uh, hints as to uh, future endeavors, movie endeavors. Sometimes toy releases do happen to have uh, release some information that give uh, fans insight as to where the series might or a specific series might be going. Yeah, sometimes. And I do believe uh, Lion King comes out this week, right? Is the it this week or next week? Next week. The next n- week. next Friday. Nineteenth. Yeah. Okay, so next Friday. So yeah, probably go see that. Oh, I got. I want to go see that movie yesterday. Have you heard of that? Yes. I I think it sounds amazing. I, I don't know why. I like the premise of it. Yeah, me too. It's like how one guy just wakes up and the rest of the, the world, world is forgot the Beatles. Beatles existed. So they just think he's like an amazing right. music genius. Yep. Yeah, I, I want to see that. I think that looks pretty good. Yep. And I still didn't ever see, uh, what is that, the one with... Seth Rogen and what's her face? Charlize Theron. I want to see that movie too, but I bet you it's not even in theaters anymore. No. The long shot. Yeah, the long shot. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm sure it's not. It's. Whoa. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Don't see it. <laughs> the tiki guy just fell. Don't waste your time. 
Oh, no. The Tiki took out Kiss. Uh-oh. I think that's a bad omen. The Knights, and Satan, the Knights and Satan service are getting taken you know out. You know what's funny about it, right? We were, we're talking about that movie. Oh, yeah. There it is. Oh, he looks sweet. He's a surfing voodoo doll. Yeah, I got that in uh, Virginia Beach. Uh, Joe Boo? He's like a surfer's Joe Boo. 15 years ago. Wow. Went for the warp tour. Only in America can they close the ocean <laughs> for a hurricane. Right? You can't go swim in the ocean. There's a hurricane coming. That is a weird thing. Like only in America can they well, close an ocean. What is that? Safe, unsafe, I don't know. New Orleans is already flooded. Did you hear that? Yeah, I have I mean, no it's desire. It's not pop culture, but you know. I have no desire to go back there either. Went. Did it. Yeah. Did you do it as an adult or did you when you were younger? Adult. See, that's my issue. There's a lot of places that I went. I did more traveling when I was younger to where I, when I couldn't enjoy them as an adult. I couldn't do certain things. Like Bourbon Street meant absolutely nothing to me. I've been in New Orleans. The only thing I got to do on Bourbon Street was eat some food and listen to a. It was probably. One man band. Probably still a lot cooler than it was when I was there four or five years ago. No, it was only three years ago. Three, four, maybe four, four years ago. That's the thing, though. There's a lot of traveling I want to do. Now Bourbon Street is every other door's a strip club. Is that what it is? Is that how they repaid to get? They made just made it a red light district, basically, or what? Uh, pretty much. I mean, there's it's bars and strip clubs, like that's it, and there's like an occasional like voodoo store or something. But on, on Bourbon Street, or are we yeah. talking? No, on oh Bourbon shit. Street, yeah. Because I suppose the last time I went was with my youth group for church. That was back in '97. Yeah, post Katrina. It's like all strip clubs yeah, now. For pre Katrina, <laughs> it was more of like the old school culture, a lot of old buildings and a lot of stuff. I would imagine they had to do a lot of renovation, if not remodeling altogether. But. Yeah, it was cool, but. Yeah, no desire to go back. Man, I got a buddy who's in Amsterdam right now. There's a lot of things I'd like to do as an adult that I'll never get a chance to do. Yeah. Plan on going to Ireland next year. That's where he. That's what. Yeah, uh, he was where he started. He started in Belfast, uh, and then he named like five other cities. I don't know that he's he's doing train trips. And yeah, that's what we're talking about doing a cruise Ireland, uh, the UK. Was that uh the 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 Viking cruise lines? Whatever is that it? What it is? I don't know. I'm supposed yeah. to go with my wife's friends. So. Oh yeah. I have no idea. Wow. I just go along. Right. I don't care where I go. I'll travel anywhere. Right. That's basically how I am. I don't. I. I really don't mind uh, any actual destination. Yep. That's uh, going on a cruise in January. We're going uh, to the Bahamas. Uh, I'm doing it in December. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bet yours is in a Disney cruise. No, it is not. No. Yeah. <laughs> going full Disney cruise. Oh jeez. It'll be our second Disney cruise. But we got the kids, so. Yeah, that's kind of the point, I guess. Would you? Did you do the Disney cruise without the kids before? No. Okay. We so took. We went. The first one was Disney too. Okay. Yeah. The big red boat, right? That's what it is. No. It's Are they still red anymore? It used to be the big red boat. That I was. Don't the know, I have four boats. It's like the fantasy, the dream, the magic, and something else. Oh, okay. I don't know. We I were on the dream. I just remember when Disney started their cruise lines like 20 years ago, it was like, join us on the big red boat. It was like they had one ship, but it was a massive yeah. thing. So. I don't know. I saw Doctor Strange on it because they oh. have a full movie theater. Oh, and I'm sure, yeah. I would imagine Disney would be showing off some of the coolest shit. They have a the full time. theater. They show <coughs> like the newest Disney releases. They have, like, Broadway plays. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I mean, plus you get to eat, like, all kinds of weird food you'd never eat normally. And I would bribe my kid into eating stuff. And, like, if you eat this uh, duck confit, you can get this toy. <laughs> <laughs> he got a lot of cool shit. 
<laughs> and he ate a lot of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what. That's funny. That's what being a parent is. You get to bribe your kids bribe to your do kids. stuff. Right. You want this? Then you got to eat this. Right. Yeah, that's what I do. I don't know. I like to go and I'll eat. I'll watch movies. You get free ice cream. They just got like soft serve ice cream machines. You just go get an ice cream cone when you want one. Right. So somehow this has turned into an advertisement for Disney Cruise Lines. <laughs> Royal Caribbean. <laughs> Despite dropping toddlers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? I I don't laugh at the misfortune, but we're talking about Disney. I mean, that wasn't the cruise line. No, it was It was not. It was Royal Caribbean. No, I mean, it wasn't the cruise line's fault. Oh, no. 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 I, in all. my opinion, after what I've read, no, it isn't. I don't believe it is. But either way. Um, I, I, I've been demanded for two weeks now, or four, what would be three weeks now, to make a retraction off of a, uh, particular statement that we both agreed on that is apparently incorrect. Uh, the Like, like a Rock, rock Bob goes Seger goes to was Chevy, for Chevy, not Ford, trucks, not Ford, and, uh, Randy, you're fucking welcome, finally. You can... <laughs> So step off. So step the fuck off. <laughs> and uh, we, we'd like to apologize for any of anyone offended by the uh, misinformation that we spread about Ford and not Chevy. I'm not like apologizing. I, I'm only doing it for the I sake don't, of... I don't care. If you were offended by that, I'm you're a fucking moron. Yes, I'd have to agree. But because I have to deal with you every day at four fifty, every day I'm we not, work till five o'clock. I'm not saying and get harassed on my way out the door. I mean, I'm not. I'm not <coughs> saying, you know, we we were wrong. I'm not saying we weren't. So I'll, I'll admit we were wrong, but I'm not apologizing for being wrong. That's right. I don't give a fuck. I was wrong. Who cares? I owned up to that. If if me being wrong offended you. Then I don't care. I I think I I honestly think Randy was more offended for Chevy trucks, <laughs> for Chevy than, than anything else. Maybe because you know, he does drive a Chevy. They're they're a multi-billion-dollar corporation that provides automobiles for you know two-thirds of the world. They probably haven't used that song in twenty years. Yeah, but they don't who even cares? own the rights to that shit no more. No. Yet he's defending it. That's all right. That's all right, Randy. Maybe he's just defending Bob Seger. I don't think he needs defended either. Sure, he's got way more money than he's ever going to spend. <laughs> well, Randy, there you have it. There you go. Yeah, that's going to be it for this week. So uh, be yourself. Do what you want to do unless it's murder. That's always bad. Uh, and don't give a fuck what anyone says. Either about you, to you, just let it go. That's right. It's been Papa Culture Hootenanny. I'm Dan. And I'm Justin. Goodbye. Bye.